0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, a story from Rudyard Kipling called At the End of the Passage. Hope you enjoy it. The sky is lead, and our faces are red, and the gates of hell are opened and riven, and the winds of hell are loosened and driven, and the dust flies up in the face of heaven, and the clouds come down in a fiery sheet, heavy to raise and hard to be born. And the soul of man is turned from his meat, turned from the trifles for which he is striven, sick in his body, and heavy-hearted, and his soul flies up like the dust in the sheet, breaks from its flesh, and has gone and departed, as the blasts they blow on the cholera-born. Himalayan Four men, each entitled to Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, sat at a table playing whist, the thermometer marked, for them, 101 degrees of heat. The room was darkened till it was only just possible to distinguish the pips of the cards and the very white faces of the players. A tattered, rotten punkah of whitewashed calico was puddling the hot air and whining dolefully at each stroke. Outside lay gloom of a November day in London. There was neither sky, sun, nor horizon, nothing but a brown-purple haze of heat. "'It was as though the earth were dying of apoplexy. "'From time to time clouds of tawny dust rose from the ground "'without wind or warning, flung themselves tablecloth-wise "'among the tops of the parched trees, and came down again. "'Then a whirling dust-devil would scutter across the plain "'for a couple of miles, break, and fall outward, "'though there was nothing to check its flight "'save a long, low line of piled railway sleepers, "'white with the dust, a cluster of huts made of mud.' condemned rails and canvas, and the one-squat four-room bungalow that belonged to the assistant engineer in charge of a section of the Guadhari state line, then under construction. The four, stripped to the thinnest of sleeping suits, played whist crossly, with wranglings as to leads and returns. It was not the best kind of whist, but they had taken some trouble to arrive at it. Motram, of the Indian Survey, had ridden thirty and railed one hundred miles from his lonely post in the desert since the night before. Lowndes, of the Civil Service, on special duty in the political department, had come as far to escape for an instant the miserable intrigues of an impoverished native state whose king alternately fawned and blustered for more money from the pitiful revenues contributed by hard-rung peasants and despairing camel breeders. Spursto, the doctor of the line, "'had left a cholera-stricken camp of coolies "'to look after itself for forty-eight hours "'while he associated with white men once more. "'Hummel, the assistant engineer, was the host. "'He stood fast and received his friends thus every Sunday "'if they could come in. "'When one of them failed to appear, "'he would send a telegram to his last address "'in order that he might know whether the defaulter was dead or alive.' There are very many places in the East where it is not good or kind to let your acquaintances drop out of sight, even for one short week. The players were not conscious of any special regard for each other. They squabbled whenever they met, but they ardently desired to meet, as men without water desire to drink. They were lonely folk who understood the dread meaning of loneliness. They were all under thirty years of age, which is too soon for any man to possess that knowledge." Pilsner? Pilsner, said Spursto, after the second rubber, mopping his forehead. Ah, beer's out, I'm sorry to say, and there's hardly enough soda water for tonight, said Hummel. What filthy bad management, Spurstow snarled. Can't help it. I've written and wired, but the trains don't come through regularly yet. Last week the ice ran out, as Lowndes knows. Glad I didn't come, then. I could have sent you some if I'd have known, though. Phew! It's too hot to go on playing bumble-puppy. This with a savage scowl at Lowndes, who only laughed. He was a hardened defender. Motram rose from the table and looked out of a chink in the shutters. What a sweet day! said he. The company yawned altogether and betook themselves to an aimless investigation of all Hummel's possessions. Guns, tattered novels, saddlery, Spurs, and the like. "'They had fingered them a score of times before, "'but there was really nothing else to do. "'Got anything fresh?' said Lowndes. "'Last week's Gazette of India, "'at a cutting from a home paper. My father sent it out. "'It's rather amusing.' "'One of those vestrymen that call themselves MPs again, is it?' "'said Spurstow, who read his newspapers when he could get them. "'Yes. Listen to this.' "'It's to your address, Lowndes.' "'The man was making a speech to his constituents, and he piled it on. "'Here's a sample. "'And I assert unhesitatingly that the civil service in India is the preserve, "'the pet preserve, of the aristocracy of England. "'What does the democracy, what do the masses, get from that country, "'which we have step by step fraudulently annexed?' "'I answer, nothing whatever.' It is farmed with a single eye to their own interests by the scions of the aristocracy. They take good care to maintain their lavish scale of incomes, to avoid or stifle any inquiries into the nature and conduct of their administration, while they themselves force the unhappy peasant to pay with the sweat of his brow for all the luxuries in which they are lapped. Hummel waved the cutting above his head. "'Ear, ear!' said his audience. Then Lowndes meditatively. "'I'd give—' I'd give three months' pay to have that gentleman spend one month with me and see how the free and independent native prince works things. Old Timbersides, this was his flippant title for an honored and decorated feudatory prince, has been wearing my life out this past week for money. By Jove, his latest performance was to send me one of his women as a bribe. Good for you. Did you accept it? said Motrum. No, I rather wish I had now. She was a pretty little person, and she yarned away to me about the horrible destitution among the king's women folk. The Darlings haven't had any new clothes for nearly a month, and the old man wants to buy a new drag from Calcutta. Solid silver railings and silver lamps and trifles of that kind. I've tried to make him understand that he's played the deuce with the revenues for the last twenty years and gotta slow down, but he can't see it. But he has the ancestral treasure vaults to draw on. "'There must be three millions at least in jewels and coin under his palace,' said Hummel. "'Catch a native king disturbing the family treasure? "'The priest forbid it, except as a last resort. "'Old Timbersides has added something like a quarter of a million to the deposit in his reign.' "'Where the mischief does it all come from?' said Motrum. "'The country. The state of the people's enough to make you sick.' I've known the taxmen wait by a milch camel till the foal was born and then hurry off the mother for arrears. And what can I do? I can't get the court clerks to give me any accounts. I can't raise anything more than a fat smile from the commander-in-chief when I found out the troops are three months in arrears. And old Timbersides begins to weep when I speak to him. He's taken to the king's keg heavily, liquor brandy for whiskey, and hide for soda water. "'That's what the Rayo of Jubela took to. "'Even a native can't last long at that,' said Spursto. "'He'll go out.' "'Yeah, and a good thing, too. "'Then I suppose we'll have a council of regency "'and a tutor for the young prince "'and hand him back his kingdom with ten years' accumulations. "'Yeah, whereupon that young prince, "'having been taught all the vices of the English, "'will play ducks and drakes with the money "'and undo ten years' work in eighteen months. "'I've seen that business before.' "'said Spurstow. "'I should tackle the king with a light hand if I were you, Lowndes. "'They'll hate you quite enough under any circumstances.' "'That's all very well. "'The man who looks on can talk about the light hand. "'But you can't clean a pigsty with a pen dipped in rosewater. "'I know my risks, but nothing has happened yet. "'My servant's an old pathan, and he cooks for me. "'They're hardly likely to bribe him, "'and I don't accept food from my true friend's. "'as they call themselves. "'Oh, but it's weary work. "'I'd sooner be with you, Spurstow, There's shooting near your camp.' "'Oh, would you? "'I don't think it. "'About fifteen deaths a day "'don't incite a man to shoot anything but himself. "'And the worst of it is "'that the poor devils look at you "'as though you ought to save them. "'Lord knows. "'I've tried everything. "'My last attempt was empirical, "'but it pulled an old man through. "'He was brought to me apparently past hope.' and I gave him gin and Worcester sauce with cayenne. Well, I cured him, but I don't recommend it. How do the cases run generally, said Hummel? Very simply, indeed. Chloridine, opium pill, chloridine, collapse, nitre, bricks to the feet, and then the burning gat. The last seems to be the only thing that stops the trouble. It's black cholera, you know. Poor devils. But I will say, little Bunsey Lowl. "'My apothecary works like a demon. "'I've recommended him for promotion "'if he comes through it all alive.' "'And what are your chances, old man?' "'said Motram. "'I don't know. "'I don't care much. "'But I've sent the letter in. "'What are you doing with yourself, generally?' "'Sitting under a table in the tent "'and spitting on the sextet to keep it cool,' "'said the man of the survey. "'Washing my eyes to avoid ophthalmia, "'which I shall certainly get.' "'and trying to make a sub-surveyor understand "'that an error of five degrees in an angle "'isn't quite so small as it looks. "'I'm altogether alone, you know, "'and shall be to the end of the hot weather.' "'Hommel's the lucky man,' said Lowndes, "'flinging himself into a long chair. "'He has an actual roof, "'torn as to the ceiling cloth, "'but still a roof over his head. "'He sees one train daily. "'He can get beer and soda water "'and ice him when God is good.' Yes, books, pictures, they were torn from the graphic, and the society of the excellent subcontractor, Jevons, besides the pleasure of receiving us weekly, Hummel smiled grimly, Yes, I'm the lucky man, I suppose Jevons is luckier. how not yes, went out last Monday by his own hand, said Spurstow quickly, hinting the suspicion that was in everybody's mind. "'There was no cholera near Hummel's section. "'Even fever gives a man at least a week's grace, "'and sudden death generally implied self-slaughter.' "'I judge no man in this weather,' said Hummel. "'He had a touch of the sun, I fancy. "'For last week, after you fellows had left, "'he came into the veranda and told that he was going home to see his wife "'in Market Street, Liverpool, that evening.' I got the apothecary in to look at him, and we tried to make him lie down. After an hour or two, he rubbed his eyes and said he believed he'd had a fit. Hoped he hadn't said anything rude. Jevons had a great idea of bettering himself socially. He was very like Chucks in his language. Well? Well, then he went to his own bungalow and began cleaning a rifle. He told the servant that he was going to shoot Buck in the morning. Naturally, he fumbled with the trigger... "'and shot himself through the head, accidentally. "'The apothecary sent any report to my chief, "'and Jevons is buried somewhere out there. "'I'd have wired to you, Spurstow, "'if you could have done anything.' "'You're a queer chap,' said Motram. "'If you'd killed the man yourself, "'you couldn't have been more quiet about the business.' "'Good Lord, what does it matter?' "'said Hummel calmly. "'I've got to do a lot of his overseeing work "'in addition to my own now.' "'I'm the only person that suffers. "'Jevons is out of it, by pure accident, of course. "'But he's out of it. "'The apothecary was going to write a long screed on suicide. "'Trust a baboo to drivel when he gets the chance.' "'Why didn't you let it go as suicide?' said Lowndes. "'Ah, no direct proof. "'A man hasn't many privileges in this country, "'but he might at least be allowed to mishandle his own rifle. "'Besides,' "'Someday I may need a man to smother up an accident to myself. "'It's live and let live, you know. "'Die and let die.' "'Just take a pill,' said Spursto, "'who'd been watching Hummel's white face narrowly. "'Take a pill, and don't be an ass. "'That sort of talk is Skittles. "'Anyhow, suicide is shirking your work. "'If I were Job ten times over, "'I should be so interested in what was going to happen next "'that I'd stay on and watch.' "'Ha! Huh, I've lost that curiosity,' said Hummel. "'Liver out of order?' said Lowndes, feelingly. "Naw, can't sleep. That's worse.' "'By Jove it is,' said Motrum. "'I'm that way every now and then, and the fit has to wear itself out. "'What do you take for it?' "'Nothing. What's the use? "'I haven't had ten minutes' sleep since Friday morning.' "'Poor chap! Spursto, you ought to attend to this.' "'said Motram. "'Now you mention it, "'your eyes are rather gummy and swollen.' Spursto, still watching Hummel, "'laughed lightly. I'll patch him up later on. "'Is it too hot, do you think, "'to go for a ride?' "'Where to?' "'said Lowndes wearily. "'We shall have to go away at eight, "'and they'll be riding enough for us then. "'I hate a horse "'when I have to use him as a necessity. "'Oh, heavens!' What is there to do? We'll return with our story right after these sponsor messages. And now, back to our story. What is there to do? Begin whist again at chick points. And a gold mower on the rub, said Sparsto. Said Sparsto promptly. Now nah, I say poker. A month's pay all around for the pool. No limit. "'and fifty rupee raises. "'Somebody would be broken before we got up,' said Lowndes. "'I can't say it would give me any pleasure "'to break any man in this company,' said Motum. "'There isn't enough excitement in it. "'And, besides, it's foolish.' "'He crossed over to the worn and battered little camp piano, wreckage of a married household that at once held the bungalow, "'and opened the case. "'It's used up long ago,' said Hummel. "'The servants picked it to pieces.' The piano was indeed hopelessly out of order, but Motram managed to bring the rebellious notes into a sort of agreement, and there rose from the ragged keyboard something that might once have been the ghost of a popular music-hall song. The men in the long chairs turned with evident interest as Motrum banged the more lustily. "'That's good,' said Lowndes. "'By Jove! Last time I heard that song was in 79, or thereabouts, just before I came out.' "'Ah!' "'said Spursto with pride. "'I was home in eighty. "'Motram executed that song roughly. "'Lowndes criticized and volunteered emendations. "'Motram dashed into another ditty, "'not of the music hall character, "'and made as if to stand up. "'Sit down,' said Hummel. "'I didn't know that you had any music in your composition. "'Go on playing until you can't think of anything more, "'and I'll have that piano tuned up before you come again. "'Play something festive.' Very simple indeed were the tunes to which Motrum's art and the limitations of the piano could give effect, but the men listened with pleasure, and in the pauses talked all together of what they had seen or heard when they were last at home. A dense dust storm sprung up outside, and swept roaring over the house, enveloping it in the choking darkness of midnight. But Motram continued unheeding, and the crazy tinkle reached the ears of the listeners above the flapping of the tattered ceiling-cloth. In the silence after the storm, he glided from the more directly personal songs of Scotland, half humming them as he played, into the evening hymn. Sunday, said he, nodding his head. Go on, don't apologize for it, said Spursto. Hummel laughed long and riotously. Play it by all means. You're full of surprises today. I didn't know you had such a gift of finished sarcasm. How does that thing go? "'Motram took up the tune. "'Too slow by half. "'You missed the note of gratitude,' said Hummel. "'It ought to go to the grasshopper's polka, this way.' "'And he chanted, Prestissimo. "'Glory to thee, my God, this night, "'for all the blessings of the light. "'That shows we really feel our blessings. "'How does it go on? "'If in the night I sleepless lie, "'my soul with sacred thoughts supply.' May no ill dreams disturb my rest. Quicker, Motrum! Or powers of darkness me molest. Bah! What an old hypocrite you are! Don't be an ass, said Lowndes. You're at full liberty to make fun of anything else you like, but leave that hymn alone. It's associated my mind with the most sacred recollections. Summer evenings in the country, stained-glass window, light going out, and you and she jamming your heads together over one hymn book said motram yes and a fat old cock hitting you in the eye when you walked home smell of hay and a moon as big as a bandbox sitting on top of a haycock bats roses milk and midges said Lowndes. "Ah, yeah, also mothers i can just recollect my mother singing me to sleep with that when i was a little chap said spursto The darkness had fallen on the room. They could hear Hummel squirming in his chair. Consequently, said he, testily, you sing it when you're seven fathoms deep in hell. It's an insult to the intelligence of the deity to pretend we're anything but tortured rebels. Yeah, I say take two pills, said Spurstow. That's tortured liver talking. The usually placid Hummel is in a vile bad temper. I'm sorry for his coolies tomorrow, said Lowndes. "'as the servants brought in the lights "'and prepared the table for dinner. "'As they were settling into their places "'about the miserable goat-chops "'and the smoked tapioca pudding, "'Sperstow took occasion to whisper to Motrum, "'Well done, David. "'Look after Saul, then,' "'was the reply. "'What are you two whispering about?' "'said Hummel, suspiciously. "'Only saying you're a damn poor host. "'This fowl can't be cut.' "'returned Spursto with a sweet smile. "'You call this a dinner?' "'I can't help it. "'You didn't expect a banquet, did you?' "'Throughout that meal Hummel contrived laboriously "'to insult directly and pointedly all his guests in succession, "'and at each insult Spursto kicked the aggrieved persons under the table, "'but he dared not exchange a glance of intelligence with either of them. "'Hummel's face was white and pinched, "'while his eyes were unnaturally large.' No man dreamed for a moment of resenting his savage personalities. But as soon as the meal was over, they made haste to get away. "'Don't go. You're just getting amusing, you fellows. I hope I haven't said anything that annoyed you. You're such touchy devils.' Then, changing the note into one of almost abject entreaty, Hummel added, "'I say, you surely aren't going.' "'In the language of the blessed Jarks,' "'Where I dines, I sleeps,' said Spurstow. "'I want to have a look at your coolies tomorrow, if you don't mind. "'You can give me a place to lie down in, I suppose.' "'The others pleaded the urgency of their several duties next day, "'and, saddling up, departed together, Hummel begging them to come next Sunday. "'As they jogged off, "'Lowndes got his feelings off his chest to Motram. "'And I never felt so like kicking a man at his own table in my life. "'He said I cheated at whist.' reminded me I was in debt. "'Told you you were as good as a liar to your face. "'You aren't half-indignant enough over it.' "'Not I,' said Motrum. "'Poor devil. "'Did you ever know old Hummy behaved like that before, "'or within a hundred miles of it?' "'That's no excuse. Spursto was hacking my shin all the time, "'so I kept a hand on myself. "'Else I should have—' "'No, you wouldn't. "'You'd have done as Hummy did about Jevons.' "'judge no man in this weather. "'By Jove, the buckle of my bridle is hot in my hand. "'Trot out a bit, and beware of rat-holes.' Ten minutes trotting jerked out of Lowndes "'one very sage remark when he pulled up, "'sweating from every pore. "'Good thing Spursto is with him tonight.' "'Yeah, good man, Spursto. "'Our roads turn here. "'See you again next Sunday, "'if the sun doesn't bowl me over.' "'S'pose, though,' "'unless old Timberside's finance minister manages to dress some of my food. "'Good night, and God bless you. "'What's wrong now?' "'Ah, nothing.' "'Lowndes gathered up his whip, and, as he flicked Botram's mare on the flank, added, "'You're not a bad little chap, that's all.' "'And the mare bolted half a mile across the sand on the word.' In the assistant engineer's bungalow, Spursto and Hummel smoked the pipe of silence together, each narrowly watching the other. The capacity of a bachelor's establishment is as elastic as its arrangements are simple. A servant cleared away the dining room table, brought in a couple of rude native bedsteads made of tape strung on light wood frame, flung a square of cool Calcutta matting over each, set them side by side, pinned two towels to the punka so that their fringes should just sweep clear of the sleeper's nose and mouth, and announced that the couches were ready. The men flung themselves down, ordering the punka coolies by all the powers of hell to pull. Every door and window was shut, for the outside air was that of an oven. The atmosphere within was only 104 degrees, as the thermometer bore witness, and heavy with the foul smell of badly trimmed kerosene lamps. And this stench "'combined with that of native tobacco, baked brick, and dried earth, "'sends the heart of many a strong man down to his boots, "'for it is the smell of the great Indian empire "'when she turns herself for six months into a house of torment.' "'Spurso packed his pillows craftily so that he reclined rather than lay, "'his head at a safe elevation above his feet. "'It is not good to sleep on a low pillow in the hot weather "'if you happen to be of a thick-necked build.' "'for you may pass on with lively snores "'and gugglings from natural sleep "'into the deep slumber of heat apoplexy.' "'Pack your pillows,' said the doctor sharply, "'as he saw Hummel preparing to lie down at full length. "'The nightlight was trimmed. "'The shadow of the punka wavered across the room, "'and the flick of the punka towel "'and the soft whine of the rope to the wall-hole followed it. "'Then the punka flagged, almost ceased. "'The sweat poured from Spurstow's brow.' Should he go out and harangue the coolie? It started forward again with a savage jerk, and a pin came out of the towels. When this was replaced, a tom-tom in the coolie lines began to beat with the steady throb of a swollen artery inside some brain-fevered skull. Spursto turned on his side and swore gently. There was no movement on Hummel's part. The man had composed himself as rigidly as a corpse. His hands clenched at his sides. The respiration was too hurried for any suspicion of sleep. Spursto looked at the set face. The jaws were clenched, and there was a pucker around the quivering eyelids. "'He's holding himself as tightly as he ever can,' thought Spursto. "'What in the world is the matter with him? Hummel!' "'Yes?' In a thick, constrained voice. "'Can't you get to sleep?' "'No.' "'Head hot?' throat feeling bulgy? Neither. I don't sleep much, you know. Feel pretty bad? Yeah, pretty bad. There's a tum-tum outside, isn't there? I thought it was my head at first. Ah, Spursto, for pity's sake, give me something that will put me to sleep. Sound asleep, if it's only for six hours. He sprang up, trembling from head to foot. "'I haven't been able to sleep naturally for days. "'I can't stand it. "'I can't stand it. "'Poor old chap. "'That's no use. "'Give me something to make me sleep. "'I tell you, I'm going mad. "'I don't know what I say half my time. "'For three weeks I've had to think and spell out every word "'that has come through my lips before I dared say it. not that enough to drive a man mad? "'I can't see things correctly now.' I've lost my sense of touch. My skin aches. Oh, my skin aches. Make me sleep. Oh, Spursto, for the love of God, make me sleep sound. It isn't enough merely to let me dream. Let me sleep. All right, old man, all right. Go slow. You aren't half as bad as you think. The floodgates of reserve once broken. Hummel was clinging to him like a frightened child. You're pinching my arm to pieces. I'll break your neck if you don't do something for me. He wiped the sweat off himself as he fought to regain composure. I'm a bit restless and off my oats. Perhaps you could recommend some sort of sleeping mixture—bromide of potassium, bromide of skittles. Why didn't you tell me this before? Let like go of my arm, and I'll see if there's anything in my cigarette case to suit your complaint. Spursto hunted among his day clothes turned up the lamp, opened a little silver cigarette case, and advanced on the expected Hummel with the daintiest of fairy squirts. The last appeal of civilization, said he, and a thing I hate to use. Hold out your arm. Well, your sleeplessness hasn't ruined your muscle. And what a thick hide it is. Might as well inject a buffalo subcutaneously. Now in a few minutes the morphine will begin working. Lie down and wait. "'the smile of unalloyed and idiotic delight "'began to creep over Hummel's face. "'I think,' he whispered, "'I think I'm going off now. "'Gad, it's positively heavenly. "'Spursto, you got to give me that case.' "'The voice ceased as the head fell back. "'Not for a good deal,' said Spursto to the unconscious form. "'And now, my friend,' "'Sleeplessness of your kind, being very apt to relax the moral fiber "'in little matters of life and death, "'I'll just take the liberty of spiking your guns.' "'He paddled the Hummel's saddle-room in his bare feet "'and uncased a twelve-bore rifle, an express, and a revolver. "'Of the first he unscrewed the nipples "'and hid them in the bottom of a saddlery case. "'Of the second he abstracted the lever, "'kicking it behind a big wardrobe. "'The third he merely opened.' "'and knocked the dull head-bolt of the grip up with the heel of her riding-boot. "'All right, that's settled. Now you can't do yourself in,' he said, "'as he shook the sweat off his hands. "'These little precautions will at least give you time to turn. "'You have too much sympathy with gunroom accidents.' "'And as he rose from his knees, the thick, muffled voice of Hummel cried in the doorway. "'You fool!' "'Such tones they use who speak in the lucid intervals of delirium "'to their friends a little before they die. Spursto started, dropping the pistol. "'Hummel stood in the doorway, rocking with helpless laughter. "'That was awfully good of you, I'm sure,' he said, "'very slowly, feeling for his words. "'I don't intend to go out by my own hand at present. "'I say, Spursto, that stuff won't work.' "'What shall I do? What shall I do?' "'And panic terror stood in his eyes. "'Lie down and give the drugs a chance. Lie down at once. "'Uh-uh, I daren't. It will only take me halfway again, "'and I shan't be able to get away this time. "'Do you know it was all I could do to come out just now? "'Generally I am quick as lightning, but you had clogged my feet.' I WAS NEARLY CAUGHT. Oh, yes, I understand. Now go and lie down. No, it isn't delirium, but it was an awfully mean trick to play on me. Do you know I might have died? As a sponge rubs a slate clean, so some power unknown to Spursto had wiped out of Hummel's face all that stamped it for the face of a man, and he stood at the doorway in the expression of his lost innocence. "'He had slept back into terrified childhood.' "'Is he going to die on the spot?' "'Thought Spurstow. "'Then aloud, "'All right, my son, come back to bed, "'and tell me all about it. "'You couldn't sleep. "'But what was all the rest of the nonsense?' "'A place. "'A place down there,' "'said Hummel, with simple sincerity. "'The drug was acting on him by waves, "'and he was flung from the fear of a strong man,' "'to the fright of a child "'as his nerves gathered sense "'or were dulled. "'Good God! "'I've been afraid of it "'for months past, Spurstow. "'It's made every night hell to me, "'and that I'm not conscious "'of having done anything wrong. "'Be still, "'and I'll give you another dose. "'We'll stop your nightmares, "'you unutterable idiot.' "'Yes, "'but you must give me so much "'that I can't get away. "'You must make me quite sleepy, "'not just a little sleepy.' "'It's so hard to run, then.' "'Yeah, I know it, I know it. "'I felt it myself. "'The symptoms are exactly as you describe.' "'Oh, don't laugh at me. "'Confound you! "'Before this awful sleeplessness came to me, "'I've tried to rest on my elbow "'and put a spur in the bed to sting me when I fell back. "'Look! "'By Jove! "'The man's been rowed like a horse, "'ridden by the nightmare with a vengeance. "'And we all thought him sensible enough.' Heaven send us understanding. You like to talk, don't you? Yes, sometimes. Not when I'm frightened, though. Then I want to run. Don't you? Yeah, always. Before I give you your second dose, try to tell me exactly what your trouble is. Hummel spoke in broken whispers for nearly ten minutes, whilst Spursto looked into the pupils of his eyes and passed his hand before them once or twice. "'At the end of the narrative, the silver cigarette case was produced, "'and the last words that Hummel said as he fell back for the second time were, "'Put me quite to sleep, for if I'm caught, I die. "'I die. "'Yes, yes, we all do that sooner or later. "'Thank heaven who has set a term to our miseries,' said Spurstow, "'settling the cushions under the head. "'It occurs to me that unless I drink something, I shall go out before my time.' "'I've stopped sweating, and I wear a seventeen-inch collar.' "'He brewed himself scalding hot tea, "'which is an excellent remedy against heat apoplexy "'if you take three or four cups of it in time. "'Then he watched the sleeper. "'A blind face that cries and can't wipe its eyes. "'A blind face that chases him down corridors. "'Hmph. Hummel ought to go on leave as soon as possible. "'And, sane or otherwise, "'he undoubtedly did rowel himself most cruelly.' Well, heaven send us understanding. At midday Hummel rose, with an evil taste in his mouth, but an unclouded eye and a joyful heart. I was pretty bad last night, wasn't I? said he. I've seen healthier men. You must have had a touch of the sun. Look here, if I write you a swinging medical certificate, will you apply for leave on the spot? No. Why not? You want it? You need it. Yes, but I can hold on till the weather's a little cooler. Why should you, if you can get relieved on the spot? Burkett is the only man who could be sent, and he's a born fool. Oh, never mind about the line. You aren't so important as all that. Wire for leave. Hummel looked very uncomfortable. I can hold on till the rains, he said evasively. No, you can't. Wire to headquarters for Burkett. "'I won't. "'If you want to know why, particularly, "'Burkett is married, and his wife's just had a kid, "'and she's up at Simla, in the cool, "'and Burkett has a very nice billet "'that takes him into Simla from Saturday to Monday. "'That little woman isn't at all well. "'If Burkett was transferred, she'd try to follow him. "'If she left the baby behind, she'd fret herself to death. "'If she came, and Burkett's one of those selfish little beasts "'who are always talking about a wife's place being with her husband.' "'She'll die. "'It's murder to bring a woman here just now. "'Burkett hasn't the physique of a rat. "'If he came here, he'd go out, "'and I know she hasn't any money, "'and I'm pretty sure she'd go out too. "'I'm salted in a sort of way, "'and I'm not married. "'Wait till the rains, "'and then Burkett can get thin down here. "'It'll do him heaps of good. "'Do you mean to say that you intend to face "'what you faced?' "'Till the rains break?' "'Oh, it won't be so bad, now that you've shown me a way out of it. "'I can always wire to you. "'Besides, now I've once got into the way of sleeping, I'll be all right. "'Anyhow, I shan't put in for leave. "'That's the long and short of it.' "'Ay, great Scott, I thought all that sort of thing was dead and done with. "'Bosh, you'd do the same yourself. "'I feel like a new man, thanks to that cigarette case.' You're going over to camp now, aren't you? Yes, but I'll try to look you up every other day if I can. No, I'm not bad enough for that. I don't want you to bother. Give the coolies gin and ketchup. Then you feel all right? I'm fit to fight for my life, but not to stand out in the sun talking to you. Go along, old man, and bless you. Hummel turned on his heel to face the echoing desolation of his bungalow, and the first thing he saw standing in the veranda... "'was the figure of himself. "'He had met a similar apparition once before, "'when he was suffering from overwork "'and the strain of the hot weather. "'This is bad already,' he said, "'rubbing his eyes. "'If this thing slides away from me "'all in one piece, like a ghost, "'I shall know it is only my eyes and stomach "'that are out of order. "'If it walks, yeah, "'then my head is going.' "'He approached the figure,' "'which naturally kept at an unvarying distance from him, "'as is the use of all specters that are born of overwork. "'It slid through the house and dissolved into swimming specks "'within the eyeball as soon as it reached the burning line of the garden. "'Hummel went about his business till noon. "'When he came in to dinner, he found himself sitting at the table. "'The vision rose and walked out hastily. "'Except that it cast no shadow, it was in all respects real.' No living man knows what that week held for Hummel. An increase of the epidemic kept Spursto in camp among the coolies, and all he could do was telegraph to Motram, bidding him to go to the bungalow and sleep there. But Motram was forty miles away from the nearest telegraph, and knew nothing of anything save the needs of the survey till he met early on Sunday morning, Lowndes and Spursto heading towards Hummel's for the weekly gathering. "'I hope the poor chap's in a better temper,' said the former, "'swinging himself off his horse at the door. "'I suppose he isn't up yet.' "'I'll just have a look at him,' said the doctor. "'If he's asleep, there's no need to wake him.' And an instant later, by the tone of Spurstow's voice calling upon them to enter, the men knew what had happened. There was no need to wake him. The ponka was still being pulled over the bed, but Hummel had departed this life... "'at least three hours ago. "'The body lay on its back, "'hands clenched by the side, "'as Spursto had seen it lying seven nights previously. "'In the staring eyes was written terror "'beyond expression of any pen. "'Motram, who had entered behind Lowndes, "'bent over the dead, "'and touched the forehead lightly with his lips. "'Oh, you lucky, lucky devil,' "'he whispered. "'But Lowndes had seen the eyes, "'and withdrew shuddering to the other side of the room.' "'Poor chap! "'And the last time I met him, I was angry. "'Spursto, we should have watched him. "'Has he?' "'Deftly, Spursto continued his investigations, "'ending by a search round the room. "'No, he hasn't,' he snapped. "'There's no trace of anything. "'Call the servants.' "'They came, eight or ten of them, "'whispering and peering over each other's shoulders. "'When did your sahib go to bed?' "'said Spurstow. "'At eleven or ten, we think,' "'said Hummel's personal servant. "'He was well then? "'But how should you know?' "'He was not ill, "'as far as our comprehension extended, "'but he had slept very little for three nights. "'This I know, "'because I saw him walking much, "'and specially in the heart of the night. "'As Spurstow was arranging the sheet, "'a big straight-necked hunting-spur "'tumbled on the ground. "'The doctor groaned, "'The personal servant peeped at the body. "'What do you think, Chuma?' said Spurstow, "'catching the look on the dark face. "'Heavenborn, in my poor opinion, "'this that was my master has descended into the dark places, "'and there has been caught, "'because he was not able to escape with sufficient speed. "'We have the spur for evidence that he fought with fear. "'Thus have I seen men of my race do with thorns.' when a spell was laid upon them to overtake them in their sleeping hours, and they dared not sleep. Jomah, you are a mudhead. Go and prepare seals to settle the Sahib's property. God has made the heaven-born. God has made me. Who are we to inquire into the dispensations of God? I will bid the other servants hold aloof while you are reckoning the tale of the Sahib's property. They are all thieves and would steal. "'As far as I can make out, he died from, ah, anything, stoppage of the heart, heat apoplexy, or some other visitation,' said Spurstow to his companions. "'We must make an inventory of his effects.' "'He was scared to death,' insisted Lowndes. "'Look at those eyes! For pity's sake! Don't let him be buried with them open.' "'Whatever it was, he's clear of all the trouble now,' said Motram, softly. Spursto was peering into the open eyes. "'Come here,' said he. "'Can you see anything there?' "'I can't face it,' whimpered Lounds. "'Cover up the face. Is there any fear on earth that could turn a man into that likeness? It's ghastly. Spursto, cover it up.' "'No fear. On earth,' said Spursto. Motrum leaned over his shoulder and looked intently. "'I see nothing except some gray blurs in the pupil.' "'There can't be nothing there, you know. "'Even so. "'Well, let's think. "'It'll take half a day to knock up any sort of coffin, "'and he must have died at midnight. "'Lowndes, old man, "'go out and tell the coolies to break ground "'next to Jevon's grave. "'Motram, go round the house with Chuma "'and see that the seals are put on things. "'Send a couple of men to me here, "'and I'll arrange.' "'The strong-armed servants, "'when they returned to their own kind,' Told a strange story of the doctor sahib vainly trying to call their master back to life by magic arts, to wit, the holding of a little green box that clicked to each of the dead man's eyes, and of a bewildered muttering on the part of the doctor sahib, who took the little green box away with him. The resonant hammering of a coffin lid is no pleasant thing to hear, but those who have experience maintain that much more terrible is the soft swish of the bed linen, the reaving and unreaving of the bed tapes when he who has fallen by the roadside is apparelled for burial, sinking gradually as the tapes are tied over, till the swaddle-shape touches the floor, and there is no protest against the indignity of hasty disposal. At the last moment Lowndes was seized with scruples of conscience. "'I think you ought to read the service, from beginning to end,' said he to Spurstow. "'I intend to. You're my senior as a civilian. You can take it if you like.' "'I didn't mean that for a moment. "'I only thought if we could get a chaplain from somewhere. "'I'm willing to ride anywhere "'and give poor Hummel a better chance. "'That's all.' "'Bosh!' said Spursto, "'as he framed his lips to the tremendous words "'that stand at the head of the burial service. "'After breakfast, they smoked a pipe in silence "'to the memory of the dead. "'Then Spursto said absently, "'Tisn't in medical science. "'What?' What isn't in medical science? The things you see in a dead man's eye. For goodness sake, leave that horror alone, said Lowndes. I've seen a native die of pure fright when a tiger chivvied him. I know what killed Hummel. The deuce you do. I'm going to try to see. And the doctor retreated into the bathroom with a Kodak camera. After a few minutes, there was the sound of something being hammered to pieces, and he emerged... "'Very white, indeed.' "'Have you got a picture?' said Motram. "'What does the thing look like?' "'It was impossible, of course. "'You needn't look, Motrum. "'I've torn up the films. "'There was nothing there.' "'It was impossible.' "'That,' said Lowndes, very distinctly, "'watching the shaking hand "'striving to relight the pipe, "'is a damned lie!' Motrum laughed uneasily. Spurstow's right,' he said. "'We're all in such a state now that we'd believe anything. "'For pity's sake, let's try to be rational.' "'There was no further speech for a long time. "'The hot wind whistled without, and the dry trees sobbed. "'Presently the daily train, winking brass, burnished steel, and spouting steam, "'pulled up panting in the intense glare. "'We'd better go on on that,' said Spurstow. Go back to work. I've written my certificate. We can't do any more good here, and work will keep our wits together. Come on, let's go. No one moved. It is not pleasant to face railway journeys at midday in June. Spursto gathered up his hat and whip, and turning to the doorway, said, There may be heaven. There must be hell. Meantime, there is our life here. Well... Neither Moltram nor Lowndes had any answer to the question. We hope you enjoyed At the End of the Passage by Rudyard Kipling, one of Rudyard Kipling's Indian tales. It was first serialized in 1890 and appeared in the 1891 collection Life's Handicap. It deals with themes familiar to Kipling's Indian fiction, the grueling day-to-day work involved in the running of British India and the incursion, or apparent incursion, of the supernatural. In this story... Kipling tries to draw attention not only to the strains of Anglo-Indian working life, but also to its unsung heroism. Hummel's refusal to take some leave arises out of a noble desire to spare Burkitt, the man who would have to take over, as Burkitt has family commitments. Spursto is impressed, declaring that he thought such acts of selflessness belonged in the past. Beyond this, Hummel's sacrifice goes virtually unrecognized. But for Kipling, it is all the more remarkable on that account. One example among many in his Indian fiction of the kind of valor upon which the great Indian Empire rests and for which it grants scant reward. If you enjoyed this and other stories here at 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales, please do send us a kind review. We always appreciate review, and they help new listeners decide to give us a try. As you know, we release new short stories every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and Sunday at noon Eastern Time. Until next time, everyone, This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon.